What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. I really believe God has something special for us, for you. And I, and I feel like we, sh- we should have that mentality anytime we walk into an environment where Jesus followers are going to be together for that purpose. Because the Bible tells us that where there are two or three or more gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And so that tells me that when we come together, whether it's two or three of us, whether it's in a, a small group, we call them crew, whether that's a small group in a home or a coffee shop or wherever, or whether it's our corporate gathering here on a Sunday that we call a worship experience, we should always come with an expectation and a hunger inside of us for what God wants to give us. God never stops having gifts to give, having more relationship that he wants to go deeper with you, more more insight that he desires to pour into your spirit and pour into your soul. There's, There's never something new that God doesn't have to give. I feel like I could have said that in a better way, but maybe that came across. God doesn't run out of new things to give you. I think that was a little bit better. We'll edit that one out. Okay. But the reality is sometimes when we come into environments where, where the heart and the desire of God is to pour out something new in us, this is so easy to do because it happens to me all the time. Things of the world can get cloudy and we can get distracted and we can get overwhelmed. And, and before we know it, we've, we've gone through the motions in a, in a potentially powerful moment. And we've missed the thing that God was trying to do in us, for us, or through us in the moment. And so I think one of the things that God has been literally pounding into my heart for the last three weeks as I continue to, to pray, we've been going through the series through the book of Philippians. And and uh, today we're, we're wrapping up chapter three of Philippians today, and, and the series is called Joy Anyway. We've been doing this for a couple of months, and Joy Anyway, because Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi while he was locked up in chains in prison, when a circumstance where he would have any reason, as much as anybody else, if not more than anybody else, to not have joy. I mean, I don't know about you. But if I was wrongly arrested, wrongly imprisoned, and didn't have any hopes of any release, and I was being persecuted mainly and only because of the faith that I had in Jesus Christ, and I'm locked up in a prison cell, I can't admit that the first thing on my mind as I write people would be joy. It'd be a lot of other things, a lot of other choice words or complaints or or, you know, why this and why this and what about this? Or I thought God was faithful and if God really loved me, why would he be letting me go through this? You know, I, I've been there. I don't know about you. But Paul saw fit because he realized that the source of his joy was not the circumstance of his life. The source of his joy was the savior of his life. And because of that joy, the joy actually becomes a fruit that comes from the spirit of God. And when it's a fruit from the spirit of God, the thing that awakens the spirit of God inside of us is allowing his nature to fill us and come through us. 
Because when we live in that particular realm, we do not allow the things that happen around us, the good, the bad, the ugly, to steal our joy. So we're going to read in uh, a few verses here in chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 12. Philippians is in the New Testament, probably about like three quarters of the way, you know, if you open up a Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We always tell people, break out your phone, download the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, if you've been here for a long time, you've heard me say that like a thousand times. But it's free, puts the Bible at your fingertips. It just makes it sometimes easier. But don't, don't forsake having the real printed paper version because I just love it and you can write in it and you can highlight it and you can devour it and you can spill coffee on it and you can still read it. There's just something about it. And so we always encourage, if you got one, bring it. If you don't have one, go get one and then bring it. But we've always got the U version. And then we also have it up on the screen behind us. We're just trying to help everybody if that's okay. So Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. I think I'm actually only going to, I was going to go to verse 20. I think I'm actually going to stop at verse 16, but that's okay. That's not for you. That's just for me thinking out loud. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. You're like, what things? You can back up to the beginning of chapter three. Or that I have already reached perfection. Anybody else? But I don't, but I press on to possess that perfection. That word actually more means completeness or completion that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but, somebody say but. But I focus on this one thing. Somebody say one thing. Because there's lots of things to focus on, right? I mean, all over the place. There's things to focus on. There's things to be distracted. Squirrel, politics, religion, opinion. I mean, it's all over the place. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You're like, that sounds like two things. No, forgetting the past is just the reference of where I am pointing myself. I'm forgetting the past. It could be uh, 20 years ago. It could be 10 years ago. It could be last night. And now I am looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. These next two verses sometimes are some of my favorite ones because Paul just, he just says stuff and it's fantastic. He says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe that God will make it clear to you. Make it clear to you. Wait, no, make it plain to you. Make it plain and clear to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. I'm going to stop there. Father, I just pray that you would come through this, Lord. Speak to us. Would you open our hearts? Father, any, any barriers, any hardness, any mental blocks, any distractions, God, would you help those things to be laid aside? No matter, whether, no matter where we are today, Father, whether there are those that don't know you yet and they're not sure about this or whether it's those that have been following you their entire life, God, I just I pray for all of us that you would step through today and speak to us and do something inside of us, God, that we know that we can't do on our own. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, God, this, these past three weeks, and, and the first two weeks it was actually very distracting because I was trying to focus on a few other things and, 
and, and this, this whole this thing about hunger kept coming through and it kept interrupting me and it kept disrupting me. Have you ever been disrupted by God? It's quite inconvenient. It's quite, it's like, God, you're being selfish right now. I'm trying to focus. It's like, whatever. I'm going to keep coming through. And he, he just keeps coming through. And so in my heart, in my mind, just hunger, hunger, hunger. And, 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 and it was with a, it's with a sense of urgency, like God was really apparently trying to get me to pay attention to something. And finally, when I allowed myself to stop being selfish about what I thought I was trying to focus on and be open to what God was trying to speak, I began to, to hear more clearly. I began to see things that, that he was trying to get. And these were some of the things that God was impressing on my heart. He was saying things like, there's a sense of urgency about what I'm trying to do right now. I'm like, oh, oh okay. And then hunger, hunger, hunger. And I'm trying to, he's like, you know, you need to pay attention to what I'm trying to do right now. I said, okay. And then again, hunger, hunger, hunger. And I'm like, okay, what, what's the, what are you doing? That's great. All right, you got my attention. What's going on? What are you doing? And, and he kept pushing in with this word hunger. And, and, our, and the reality is, is that our world right now is very hungry. And I'm not just talking about food. I'm, right now, some of your stomachs are already starting to grumpy. Like, I wish you'd stop saying that word. I'm starting to thinking about where I'm gonna go to eat right now afterwards. No, I'm talking about spiritual hunger. If we, can, if we can make the analogy transfer over. Our world is hungry right now, and our world is, is starving spiritually. Our nation is spiritually starving, and it's, and it's not because people aren't eating. It's because what we've been feasting on um, has been bringing unhealthy uh, spirituality into our world. You can still be full and be unhealthy. Um, last week I mentioned this this TV show called Alone. I'm gonna reference it one more time. You might hear it a few times in the future. There's so, there's so many uh, like great examples, but uh, you know, they take 10 people, they take them out in the middle of some wilderness, they're all experts, but still. And they, they put them individually in separate spots with like the minimalist survival things possible. And, uh, but no food, no water, they, they have to make their own shelter, they have to figure out how to survive. And the one that lasts the longest gets the money. And, uh, and it's interesting because we watched this, this one particular episode where, where one, of the, one of the contestants was actually able, with a bow and arrow, was able to hunt and he, and he got a moose. And I'm like, he's set. Like, how long you last? I don't know. I got 1,200 pounds of meat. I'm sure I'm going to be okay. And all the carnivores are like, mm, you know, it sounds fantastic. But he, so he, he, he did all the things that he needed to do to prepare it, and he, and he spaced it out, and he's smoking stuff, and he's, and he's drying it, and he's, he's eating like a king. Meanwhile, they're going over to other contestants who are like scraping moss off of rocks and like, you know, trying to squeeze water out of the air, and he's just like eating. I'm like, this dude has got his in the bag. About a week and a half later, he does, they, I guess they do like once a week, they'll do like a, a, a check just to make sure they're not letting somebody die out on their own. And, and they told him, they're like, you are, you are starving to death. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? He's like, you don't know. Do you want to see the footage? I've been eating like a king. And it was because the diet that he was eating in the moose was so lean, his body still needed other things to function properly. Sometimes we can think 
that we are doing just fine. Like we're eating, we're, you know, I, I, you know, I, I read my Bible, I, I, you know, I try to pray, I, you know, I try to be a good person, I try to do good deeds, and, and I try to, you know, I try to connect with the energy of the universe, and I'm trying to, I'm doing all these things, and we feel like we might be full, but what our spirit is actually doing is it's starving to death because we're not feeding it what it actually needs to thrive. And so it blow. I mean, I'm watching this happen on, on TV, and I'm like, Mom, boom, my mind's blown. I, I never would have ever, I never would have thought this was a situation. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm thinking as this correlates over into the spiritual realm, okay, God, well, what do we need? And he just kept saying, hunger, hunger, hunger. We, um, hunger can make you do desperate things. Hunger can make you do dumb things. But being hungry is not by itself a bad thing. It's, it's actually your, your body communicating something that should be communicating to let the rest of your body that can do something about it know what it needs to do. The word hunger, I'm going to give you a definition because none of us know what the word hunger means. But anyway, I'm going to give the same definition here. It's a, a feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by a lack of food but coupled with a desire to eat. It's not just being without, it's being without, but it being followed up with a strong desire to do something about it. So people sometimes, if we're starving spiritually, don't just say, man, I'm just, I feel like I'm starving to death inside. If you are truly hungry, there will be something that rises up inside of you to do something about it. Hunger leads you to action, sometimes not great actions. Actually, the message today, if you're taking notes, I always about halfway through figure out how to give you the title of the message somehow. But the title is just this, Are You Hungry? Are you hungry? For the hunger of the world to be addressed, it's gonna take the hunger of God's people to be used. Hunger can make you do extreme things and, and I was thinking, I was like, what's a, what's a really good analogy of, of a bad example of hunger driving. I was like, oh wait, we're not too far away from something in history that was not a great moment. In 1846, not far from here, there was an infamous extreme hunger that took place. <laughs> and we can laugh about it now, probably closer around that time, wasn't so laughable, but now we look back and we have Donner Pass and Donner Lake. And, and we, there were 81 individuals who decided to try to pioneer to the West in a route that had never been tested. And we, most of us would know the story. They, they actually left late to make the trip and it got them too close to when winter storms began to come in and a massive winter storm came in and, and completely, uh, it completely isolated them. They couldn't get out, they couldn't go further. And over a quick period of time, 81 people began to go through all the rations. They ran out of food, they couldn't forage, they couldn't do anything because they were literally feet and feet and feet of snow. And so, first the dogs go, then the horses go, and then before you know it, unspeakable things begin to happen to the point of cannibalism. Why? Because they were hungry, because they were desperate. And desperation can point you towards a solution or desperation can point you in the right direction. And it really has everything to do with the habits that are alive inside of your spirit, which direction you will go when hunger begins to come up. 
I don't know how that translates to cannibalism, but in the spiritual realm, it will force you in certain directions. What you become dependent upon in a normal sense is gonna be the first thing that you go to when you become hungry. Now, for example, sugar. Let's talk about sugar. So we're like, yeah, you know, our, some of our setup team was able to devour some while we were setting up this morning, and we need it for what we do. But here's the thing. Sugar is not, God created sugar. Can I get an amen? But he created it naturally in healthy senses, right? But what we have done, what the world has done, is we have taken something that God made in an original organic sense to be healthy, especially in moderation, and we have figured out a way to make it ourselves, but to make it cheaper and to make it processed and put it in everything. And it's delicious. So something that God created to be natural, to be something for us to enjoy, mankind has taken and turned it into a counterfeit that actually destroys us. But the more that your diet consists of what destroys you, when you get hungry, you will pursue what you're used to pursuing. But when you begin to hunger and thirst for the things of God, and you serve, because I don't know about you, sometimes you got to surround yourself with people who will smack you in the face when you go in the wrong direction. I wouldn't suggest doing that to people you don't know well. But to people that you have relationship with, sometimes it's good to have that guy in my, in my life or, or for my wife to have that lady in her life. And when we start acting up or we're not responding the right way, we got the people who can come to us and say, hey, you're going, you need to kind of course correct. You're trying to feed something, but it's going in the wrong direction. Hunger. Hungering for what hurts you will always leave you feeling empty. That's why you can be full and, and feel like a mess. <laughs> but when you, there's so, this, there's so many metaphors and analogies today. I hope you guys are keeping up and, and translating it over to the spiritual realm. But the more that we begin to, like even in a natural sense, we begin to eat, eat clean, begin to eat organic, begin, begin to eat healthy, all those type of things. Like you can get full and you know you're full and you know you should stop, but it's not the type of full that about 10 minutes later you're like, I regret that. I instantly regret this. That was delicious, but now it is no longer delicious in my body. This is painful. Where when you eat something clean, your body knows what to do with it. And when you feed your spirit and your soul the things of God, guess what? Your spirit and your soul knows what to do with it. It knows how to digest it. It knows how to put it to work. It knows how to burn those calories. Come on, God is looking for some hunger to rise up inside of the church that what he created you to do and to be, you know what to do with it. You may not have the, the, the intellect or I haven't memorized all the Bible, which you won't, don't worry. You can try, but you should, but you're not gonna memorize the whole thing, it's okay. But you, there are things inside of you that, that how God made you, it knows how to process the things of God. And by nature, we don't know how to process the things that are not from God. But because of this, this nature that every single one of us have that we're born with called a sin nature that we, we have to contend with and we have to deal with and we can't fix it ourselves, we need Jesus to fix it for us. Because of that thing that's inside of us, it can become challenging at times in our life because we continue to go back. Paul talks about it in Romans. We're like, if Paul's struggling with this, do any of us have hope? <laughs> But Paul's like, I don't, he, he was venting, I think it's in chapter 7, but he was venting and he's like, the things that I want to do, the things of God, I don't do. And then over here, the things that I know that I shouldn't do and I don't want to do, I 
keep doing them. What the heck is wrong with me? These desires that I have inside of me, like what do I do? I want to do the things of God. I find myself falling short. I want to honor God with my life, but I keep messing up. I want to be a part, I want to be used by God to do something that changes our world around us. But over here, I just keep finding myself focused on myself, broken and falling. What am I to do? And I'm so, I'm so glad that Paul didn't put a period there and say, next chapter. We're like, what else? Is there a solution? And there is. And he says, he goes on to say, but I'm so grateful for the grace of God in my life. And then he does go on in the following chapters, just blow our mind with revelation of how God, the cre- guys, come on, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the, God, the, the same God who not with, with a whole team of scientists and all this type of stuff, but with his voice, he created this. He said, let there be light. And light came out of him at the speed of light. He never said stop. So people wonder, oh, they're still discovering new stars. That's because they're still being created. This is the God that we're talking about. Not some religious figure who's billions of miles away. He set everything in motion, and now he's just kind of chilling in his heavenly recliner, watching us screw up everything. Saying, man, wow, oof, that's way off. Oh, don't, don't, uh, uh, they did. Wish I could do something about this. No, God is here. He's involved. You are a son and a daughter of God. You, you, as a human being, you carry the image of God. You are an image bearer of God. And when you submit your heart and your life to God so that that whole sin issue can be taken care of, then you not only are a son and a daughter of God, which gives you some pretty cool rights in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. You got to make sure you get your kingdom straight. But it also makes you a co-heir with Christ. Think about that. Think about, okay, inheritance. Okay, I understand what inheritance is. It's the things that, that, that the, the one generation, that they, they, they compile, you know, wealth and all this other stuff, and they pass it on to the next generation. So can you imagine what the Father is passing on to Christ? And guess what? You get equal share. Think about that. And don't just think of it in the, oh, yeah, when I'm dead and, and it's a spiritual thing. No, in, in this world and in the world to come, we've got to get our mind wrapped around something so much bigger. Somebody say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking in one of the, one of the Gospels. And uh, a passage of Scripture, it's called the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. And one of the first um, really big Messages, really, that Jesus preached to a large crowd. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. What's righteousness? If we, could, if we were to simplify that for us, it just means living in a way that honors God. Living in a way where your passions follow the passions of God. Using your life to be hungry for the things of God. Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for the things that I hunger and thirst for, you will be filled. You will be satisfied. In the message uh, translation, I love how it says, it says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you will ever eat. 
I love it. What are we hungering for? What are we thirsting for? Because if we're, if this is it, if this is what the church is, this is this, just this, this aspect of it, we go Monday through Saturday, we're doing life. We're living ourselves. We're doing, we're trying to survive. But let's make sure we clock in on Sunday because I'm checking that religious box. I want to make sure I'm not going to hell. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. Make sure that's still good. Make sure I still got my fire insurance taken care of. But as soon as this is over, boom, gone. Boom, back to the worries of life. Boom, back to the same temptations. Boom, back to the same brokenness. Boom, to the same things that divide us. Boom, back to a life filled with opinions. Boom, back to division. Boom, back, you know, that's what this is all about. Man, we're wasting our life. This place and anywhere else on our planet where people gather together corporately, which means more than one of us, more than two of us, we're, we're coming together because God has created a community of us to be together. The whole purpose of this once a week is so that as we lift up the name of Jesus from a hunger and a thirst and a passion, he begins to fill us back up and we get unified around the one thing. We get unified around a message. We get unified around the right kingdom. And then we leave from here to take what God is putting in us for it to begin to influence where we are on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with your family, in your marriage, with your kids, in your workplace, in the marketplace. We've got to get past this thing where we're just going through the motions to do church, to have church. And, and, and this, this needs to be like you can't, I've seen people are, deba- well, people are debating about everything right now, literally everything. And so even like, whoa, the church, the church doesn't need to gather. to be Well, no, we, we like individually, like the church is flesh and blood, but the church itself by definition, by word is the gathering. The ecclesia, which is the Greek word that the church didn't come up with, but with other people came up with, it was just a Greek word that meant to assemble and to gather. And when the church started, the very first thing that happened was a small group of them gathered. And then what happened was the Holy Spirit was poured out on the small group that gathered. And then what happened after that is the Holy Spirit that had been poured out into that small group that gathered overflowed that small group that gathered. Until literally that day, uh, 5,000 people said yes to becoming a part of the ecclesia of Jesus Christ, the assembly, the gathering. And so, yes, this is not the only definition of what it means to be the church, but it most sure as heck is a big part of it. Because when we gather together, it gives, our faith can feed off of each other. It begins to stir an atmosphere. I was telling our team when we prayed before, sometimes you can go to somebody's house and you ate before you went and you're full. But when you get there and you smell what they got cooking in the kitchen, all of a sudden, well, I could eat. I, did, I just ate before. No, I, actually, I, yeah, I'm good. I, I, uh, what you got? That sounds delicious. I think I'll have some. My heart and my passion and things that me and my wife talk about and pray about is that Convo Church for our region will become a place where even if people are filled to the gullet, to the point where they almost want to puke, they're so full that when they come into this environment, a hunger comes up inside of them to replace what was there before. And listen, revival is beginning to move in our nation. It's not going to get talked about in mainstream, and that's okay. It never has been and never will be, and that's all right. It doesn't need to be because you can't stop and you can't quiet what God is doing. 
When God speaks, you can turn everything up as loud as you want and God will still speak over top of it. God speaks and mountains move. God speaks and mountains split. God speaks and oceans become highways. So when God begins to move, I don't want to be missing what God is doing. And this hunger that we're talking about this morning has everything to do, not with just being spiritually excited, because excitement is like happiness. It will come and go based on your circumstance. But when the anointing of the Holy Spirit begins to come alive inside of us, it will transform our passion. It will transform our priorities. It will transform our arguments. It will transform our focus and how we see, what we see, and where we see. And it will begin to put a fire inside of us to realize that the church was never meant to be a place where all the spiritual people got together and camped out and, and were just so happy about how spiritual we were. But we became an in-the-field hospital for the hurting, for the lost, for the broken, for those that hate us and for those who are against us and for those who live who live violently opposed to us because when we get past being superficial as a church, we will begin to be the church that Jesus envisioned us to be. Man, I hope this is getting recorded. Where, where are we? The one thing, this is where we're going to wrap it up. The one thing. We've kind of been on the one thing. But I think it's easy to get hung up on how, okay, here's the one thing, but how do we do it? Like, I'm a, I'm a very, like, if you give me clear instructions, that helps me a lot. They're like, do this. They're like, yeah. Yeah, how? <laughs> like, oh, step one. You know, it's like, some people are just like, boom, I got it. Holy Spirit, just download it. I'm like, okay, do, is there a USB port I can, you know? Can you airdrop this? Paul says, I have not achieved it. Apply that to whatever you want in your life. Maybe it's goals that you've had. Honestly, maybe it's things that, that you felt like at the beginning. At the beginning of 2020, God said he's going to do this. At the beginning of 2020, God was like, you're going to be blown away at what I do this year. It's a year of vision. Was, was God not aware of what was about to happen? Because we were all like, yeah, new normal. Woo! <laughs> new normal. Yeah, it stinks. Was God unaware at what was happening? Ever prayed that person? Not really a prayer. It's more like you're fussing to God. I'm guilty. Are you for real? <laughs> do you have, do you, do you know what's, do you, you know? Of course he does. Sometimes we think just because our time frame isn't what God's time frame is that, well, I guess we've missed the opportunity of what, that's not gonna happen. That time has come and gone, that, that's not gonna happen. Hunger will drive you to a desperate measure of making sure that you are positioned for what you need to eat. Check this out. In, in, Exodus, Exodus 13, 22. So in Exodus 13, what we have is you have the nation of Israel. They weren't even called the Israelites yet. They were the Hebrews from Hebron, descendants of Abraham, but they were in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. God sends Moses. We've seen the movies, right? 
God sends Moses, let my people go. Crazy things happen, boom, eventually he lets them go. Makes it sound way easier than it was. But they, they wandered through, through the desert in a place they had never been, going to a place that they didn't really know, just a place where God said, just go there. That's where I want you to go. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, which is about prosperity and, 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 and thriving and a place of blessing. And, and since they didn't know where they were going, God was gracious. Isn't it good to know that when you don't know where to go, God knows where to go? When, you've, when, you're, when you feel like you're somewhere where you've never been before and you don't know how you got there or how to get out of it, God knows where to go. And it says that during the day, the Spirit of God would lead them in a pillar of a cloud. And when the pillar of cloud stopped, they would stop and set up camp. Over three million, imagine that. Hey, let me just get real, dream team. Imagine set up and tear down church for three million people. That's all I'm saying. We got it pretty good. But when the cloud began to move, boom, time to pack up and go. And at nighttime, because God wasn't just like a nine to five God. Sometimes he was moving at night. So when, when nighttime, it wasn't a cloud, it was a pillar of fire. And when the fire stopped, they stopped. And when the fire began to move, they packed up and moved. If you ever find yourself moving forward and you've lost sight of where God is, there's a good chance he hasn't moved yet. There's a good chance that, that you or I or we may be trying to make something happen where God's saying, I'm not there yet. Why are, you, why are you moving when I'm still? But just as equal on the opposite side, God's never late. He's never early. He's always on his time. Which a lot of times doesn't coincide with ours, right? I mean, can we just be honest about that? We have to learn. We have to adjust. But when God moves, you better pack up and follow. Because God moving is not always gonna be as popular as with what everyone else wants to do. When God says move, when God says go, when God says speak, when God says gather, when he begins to move and speak, we better be paying attention and we better be ready to go. But what has happened so much in our American civilization as we continue within the church world, I'm not even talking about outside. Outside the church world, they have no reason to operate like the church world. But it's our responsibility within the kingdom of God to operate as citizens of heaven, which Paul addresses in some of the later verses that I didn't get to. Citizen of heaven trumps everything else when you are a follower of Christ. So when God begins to speak, when God begins to move, our responsibility and our allegiance and our obedience is solely based on what God is doing, what he is speaking, and where he is going. And we have the responsibility to say, okay, let's do it. Meanwhile, in the back of my head, I'm sure about this, God. Does that really make sense? This could really stir up some problems. This isn't gonna be popular. God's like, uh, I'm not concerned about that. I'm moving. Okay, got it. Let's go. Inside of myself, inside of my wife, I'm telling you, we have a hunger burning inside of us to live on the edge of our seat with our eyes fixed on Christ. We're not perfect people. We never will be. But our hunger and our desire 
is to create a space and to lead a church that's filled with people who live that same way. Just on the edge of our seat, leaning in, leaning into what God is doing, leaning in, not taking our eyes, where's the cloud, where's the fire, where's the anointing, where's our Father, because when he speaks, we wanna say, yeah, well, uh, I'm listening. When he says move, we wanna get up and say, all right, I'm ready, where do you wanna go? When he says speak, you got it, what are you saying? What do you want us to say? And it won't, it will, it will never fit into what we think is going to be the norm. Paul says, I forget what is behind me. We could have done this. We could have done that. We could have, we can't now. That's behind me. He says, I keep my eyes focused on what is ahead. And it's not just that he was a visionary and was coming up with really cool stuff as a leader. What was ahead of him was the anointing and the presence of God. And he says, listen, I don't care what anything happened in my past. And Paul had some past, he had some garbage. Like read, read Acts, you'll see where he came from. He screwed up, he did some bad stuff. But once he allowed himself to forget the past and know the one thing and keep his eyes fixed on what was ahead of him, he was able to keep focused, not on, all right, let's have a, a meeting to figure out what we're supposed to do. It was, where is Jesus and where is he going? That's the one thing because God doesn't move backwards. He pauses, he moves forward. He doesn't ever move back. Backwards means, oops, oh, hold on one second. I, I know I'm God and everything, but I'm gonna do this one over again. That didn't go quite as I had planned. All right, now we're gonna start it. No, that he pauses for his reasons and he moves forward. So as long as we are able to keep Christ ahead of us in our own personal lives, and we, we, we continue to generate and stir up and push for that hunger, for righteousness, that thirst, that unquenchable thirst for righteousness and the hunger for the things of God in our life. It's not gonna make you a spiritual weirdo. It's not gonna make you irrelevant. It's gonna make you the light that people in darkness need to see. Because here's the thing, when they don't know to look at God, they're going to look at the people who say they know God. And we sure as heck better know that we are following God and not living for ourselves. This life is not meant for us to get God to bless us and do what we wanna do. We are here literally as slaves of Christ. Those were the words of Paul. He goes, my life is found in Christ. He, he referred to his relationship with God as I am a slave of Christ, but the slavery and following Christ is freedom. It's not bondage, it's not religion. It's not just a list of rules, do this, don't do that, dress this way, don't dress this way. Because when you have that relation, you, that relationship with God and you hunger and you thirst for the righteousness of God in your life, it will make you evaluate the areas of your life where you don't think that hunger and thirst is evident. What in my life needs to change? I think in some regards, and I'll wrap it up right here. I think what, uh, it's the third time I've said that. Well, we're doing good, we're still in time. Ish. There's, I'll speak, to, I'll speak to our nation first because I don't live in other countries and I know God's doing amazing things in other nations around the world, but, but in our American culture, as it connects to the church, it became at a surface level very difficult for us to actually preach the reality of sin and make it palatable to people who don't know God and convince them to come to church. So what we did is we, 
we kind of, we didn't get rid of the word sin. We just kind of made that word smaller and kind of slipped it under the rug a little bit. And, and we just wanted people to feel good about themselves. But if they come to God, they'll feel better. You feel good about yourself, maybe, but with God, you'll feel better. It's going to be fantastic. But the reality of grace and the reality of the cross is that you and I need to know the sin that's in our life. We need to know that there are things in us that are unacceptable when it comes to a relationship with God. We need to know that the, 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 the totality of the Old Testament was so wrapped around making you realize that every single rule that we could ever come up with to follow to make us closer to God, we were going to fail. We had to realize that we are sinners in desperate need of something and someone that can fix what we are unable to fix. So when the Bible calls something a sin, don't think it's anything less than that. Because sin is what's gonna keep you separated from God. Like, well, is this a sin, is that a sin? Read your Bible, open it up. There's no shortage of letting you know how screwed up you are. Hallelujah. But that's where the power of grace comes in. That's where the power of the cross comes in. Because Jesus didn't say, hey, it's okay, just be friends with me. Jesus said, your destiny is headed for destruction and you've got a bill to pay that you can't afford. But that's okay, I'm gonna cover it for you. That's what the cross is. So accepting Jesus doesn't mean that we continue to live broken and hungering and thirsting after the things of the world, the things that fill us yet make us sick, the things that we are constantly consuming yet we're still starving inside. Saying yes to Jesus says, I need you and I need you to replace these things that I've relied on in the past. And it's time for me to come before you with a hunger and a thirst, not for whatever I want, but for the things of God. Here's the cool thing. I've been experiencing a little bit of this recently in my own life personally. When, you, when you're addicted to sugar and, and all the other beautiful things that I wish God created, but I think they came from the devil, like pizza and sugar and donuts, and they're so good. Anyway, but you're used to that. After you begin to fill yourself with things that your body actually was meant to crave, this crazy thing happens. You actually begin to enjoy the things and begin to crave the things that are healthy for you. For me, it, it took a couple of weeks. Okay, no, it took a couple of months. But as, we, as I crossed over into a new way of thinking, Romans 12, one and two, you can write that down and go back later. The way that I thought changed, which led to the way that I lived changing. It's not the other way around. It's not about, okay, just, just work hard to do the right things. Come on, be spiritual. Don't sin. Stop sinning. You know, it's not, that doesn't help anything. But when, when you allow God into the picture, he begins this process called transformation. And then he comes into your heart. He begins to transform your mind, which begins to transform your lifestyle. And that's only possible through the love and the grace of God. Let's be hungry for the things of God. This is what I wanna do. I wanna, I wanna pray for you and right where you are. Actually, could you do me a favor? Can we stand up? 
This is where we wrap things up. And we're gonna, what we're gonna do just to, in the next few minutes, we're gonna pray. Um, we're gonna, and even when we dismiss today, if there's any of you that would, would need personal prayer for something, uh, we would love to have that opportunity. But even, here's a cool thing is that it doesn't matter about social distancing or not, nobody needs to lay a hand on you for God to do something amazing inside of you. Miracles happen not because somebody who's anointed touches you. Miracles happen because God loves you. And so I know there's people in here today like you need a miracle. I don't know what it is, but God does and you do. And actually sometimes maybe the miracle you think you need is not the miracle you think you, is, that you actually need. So we need to be open to allowing God to, to change the way that we think, even about what we think we need. God's like, no, that's, that's good, that's good, that's good. But, but what I wanna do in you is much bigger. You think you, I know you think you need this prayer answered in this way, but, but actually that's gonna sell you short and it's gonna sell short what I'm, the plans that I have for you that are exceedingly abundantly above anything that you could ever ask or imagine. So right where you are, if you're willing, no one's gonna force you to do anything. If you are willing, would you just put your hands out in front of you like, like somebody was gonna like throw something for you to catch. And then just close your eyes. Nobody's gonna come around. Nobody's gonna touch you or anything like that. But hunger has to start within you. Revival is beginning to happen, but revival doesn't happen by osmosis. Revival is not just, revival is not a trend. Revival happens in our city when revival happens in our churches. Revival happens in our churches when revival takes place in our hearts. Revival is nothing more than the awakening of Jesus' followers to be what God has called us to be so that Jesus' followers can go out and awaken the dead in our region. And when that begins to happen, church, I'm telling you, nothing that us or any other church in our region will be able to contain what God does. We will be scrambling like never before, just trying to facilitate and understand and, and follow the anointing of God. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ComboChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.